Welcome to Real Life Podcast Conversations from Life Foursquare. We invite you to dive deeper into the more difficult topics of faith. Have you struggled to find understanding in biblical topics not often taught about from the pulpit? We may not have all the answers, but we are com- committed to the ongoing conversation as we search God's Word together. Mark and Lynn Cooper are your hosts. This show is our attempt at answering questions in greater depth than a sermon allows. We look forward to the dialogue and conversations your questions will bring. You can email us at reallifeatvisitlife.org. This podcast will cover many biblical topics, some fun, some serious, and some will simply pique your interest. This podcast is sponsored by Life Foursquare Church. It's produced by our media team here at Life Foursquare. So, continuing a conversation about repentance. This is week three of repentance, and last week we really spent most of our time discussing the definition of sin, of transgressions, of iniquity, and how to identify what is happening in your life. And so, we are doing this as we are going to look at Psalm 51 and talk about the story of David. And this week we want to begin with, um, after David defined sin in his life, he really began uh, to appeal to God's mercy. Yeah, so this, you know, the story goes that um, Nathan brought to David a, a tale or a story about some injustice, and David's response is very strong, but then Nathan said, that man is you. And so David clearly defined the sin and identified it as his. But then what did he do? Well, he appealed to God's mercy. He understood God's God's care for him. He understood his transgression or his sin. And then he pleaded for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me uh, according to your unfailing love. So he he identifies that mercy comes directly from love. And he doesn't allow that sin and the accusation of that sin to eliminate the love God has for him. This really is the heart of repentance. Repentance is a way that we deal with sin in our life and turn back to the Lord. And so this turning to God, appealing to his mercy, uh, and obviously, you know, we have as Americans or humans, not just Americans, I'm sure this is common throughout the world, but we tend to classify sin. Oh, this is really bad sin, and this sin's not too bad, and I'm kind of justified in doing that. You know, I was angry, or I was this or that. Right. I think depending on the culture, uh, the classification of sin would be significantly different. Um, yeah. I remember living in. Uh, I grew up in the South. I was raised in the South, and my family moved to Los Angeles when I was 19 years old. And boy, there were some different cultures of what was acceptable and what wasn't, and what would be considered sinful, what what wouldn't. It it was part of um, culture that was very different, and and specifically in a few instances, language that would be appropriate or not appropriate. Right. Um, and so we have to recognize that God does not look at sin in the same way. In fact, he he really only puts a few classifications, if you want to even use that word, on sin. 
Yeah, and so the the you're right. There's only a few in the Bible. There, I, I would say you could really break down God's classification of sin into three categories. Um, he speaks of sexual immorality as sin that's not just a, against God, but it's against your own flesh. It, as in the sin and the consequence of that sin kills you. It's in your own body. But then he talks about how all other sin and groups literally lying with murdering and idolatry um, as being sins that are against God or against the spirit. But then there's this other classification, which really has to do with the elimination of the opportunity of salvation. And that is the denial of the Holy spirit, the denial of the method of conviction And so as we're talking about repentance, conviction, and we talked about this last week a little bit, conviction plays a part in that. And when we deny the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is that that part of God that calls men to salvation. Um, And really, the way that happens is through the identification that I need a Savior, which means I've identified there's something wrong, there's sin in my life, and the only way to pay for that is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is that that beginning call towards salvation. Now, the appeal to God's mercy, when we talk about, um, you know, please be, please be merciful to me, Lord. Please forgive me. Please help me not to do this again. Whatever that may look like for each of us as we walk through uh, conviction and sin. We, it has to be founded because if if it's not founded in this this unfailing love, this truth of unfailing love, then eventually we run out of chances, right? Like, okay, but this is the third time you've done that, and if you do it again, then then we're done, right? No, that's mm-hmm. not how God operates with us. God is patient. God is merciful. God is loving. What's Paul say? He says, "Your mercies are new every morning, mm-hmm. man." And so we have to understand that. This this understanding of who God is and this appeal to him is paramount. It's key to repentance. Mm-hmm. Now repentance should be a turning away. We should mm-hmm. we should it should ultimately lead to a victory of sin in this specific area. Mm-hmm. But in that process, there's plenty of mercy. God mm-hmm. is operating with great mercy for us and we have a right not right. because we have a right, but because God has said I'm going to right. give you mercy. We see David appeal to God's mercy, and and I think often David examples this well. David um, exercises disciplines of faith that really are far more about us being reminded of who God is than God needing to be reminded of who God is, yeah. right? God doesn't need to be reminded that he is merciful, but David does. That's right. And, and God doesn't need to be reminded of his mercy and grace, but you do. You need to be reminded of God's mercy and grace and how it works in his life and God's character and how he walks out mercy and grace with us. And so oftentimes these are moments that allow you to recognize something that our world does not do well. And that is God's unconditional love is unlike any other love that you will experience in this world. And and this appeal is revealing God's character and reminding us of how much he loves us no matter what we do or don't do. 
He loves us. That's right. Now, let me let me just pause right there and say this. When we look at God's character, there are aspects of God's just like with us, with every person, there are aspects of our character that will help us understand different parts of our character. Like, for example, I guess a good example would be that, um, you know, I'm adaptable. That's part of my character. I'm Mm -hmm. adaptable. But because I'm also strategic, because I think and um, I, I have I have a plan. You you might just not realize I have a plan. Ultimately, I'm going to come to a place where my flexibility, my adaptability, has an end. It's the same way with God's character. What we know through Scripture is this: that God says about forgiveness and about judgment, that with the measure we use it it'll also be the measure we receive it. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about mercy, mercy has a lot to do with judgment and it has a lot to do with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so let me tell you, the things that are going to start limiting the expression of God's mercy in your life is yourself. are the way you are mm-hmm. merciful. It's the way you're merciful with other people. Right. And so you have a lot to do with that. If you are, remember the parable Jesus tells, the story he tells his disciples about the man who owed much, uh, and he was forgiven much. And then he went to the dude that owed him just a little bit and he threw the guy in jail. Mm-hmm. And what did Jesus say about that? He said, no, no, this guy, this guy's rotten, man. I'm going to get him and I'm going to punish him. And that's how God works with, that's how his character is with mm-hmm. mercy, with grace, with forgiveness, with judgment, all of that stuff. We, through our through our emulation of him, through our behavior, decide oftentimes how those things are expressed in our life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the appeal to God's mercy is significant and it is such a huge part of, of repentance and it really helps us lead to the next step, which would be to avoid any sort of defensiveness um, and for us to see God rightly. What, what you said Sunday in your message, something that was huge, and it was really a beautiful statement, you said God is far more, in fact, you were referring to Jesus, his son, as as one who was all about his ministry, was the ministry of reconciliation, and reconciliation doesn't care about right and wrong. Yeah. That is huge. And we have to recognize that when God is reconciling things in our life, right and wrong are insignificant to him. Yeah, that's an important statement to bring into context. We can't recognize, we we struggle with that in our human nature, right? Because we like to categorize sin. But God doesn't in that same way, right? And what we do oftentimes is we say, well, God is righteous. And so he's always right. Well, God is righteous, and He is always right, and He's so always right that He's really not concerned about you thinking He's right or not. Right. He's not so concerned about whether you agree with Him and and Him being right. Uh, I man, my mind gets blown over this this story of Jesus meeting with, you know, He's meeting with these Pharisees, and they bring before Him a woman caught in adultery. I mean, she is obviously sinful. She ha- she is. From scripture, we know she's naked, probably covered in a sheet, maybe caught in the act, so obviously guilty. And 
Jesus literally says to her, I, I don't accuse you. I don't find, you know, where are your accusers? Where'd they go? Guess what? I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. This is not our typical response. This is not how we process right and wrong. No, that's right and that's wrong. And guess what? It's so black and white and it's so solid. And if you did something wrong, you're going to pay for it. And if you did something right, you're going to get rewarded. And that's not always the way Jesus works. <laughs> and so when we think about, uh, you know, okay, so the the topic really was how do we avoid defensiveness and how do we see God rightly? Well, we need to understand that that what is God working towards? Is he working towards you understanding that you did something wrong? Because you need to know, or is he working towards you being in relationship with the Father? And he's, and that's what he's doing now. You know, for those of you out there who have strong-willed children, and maybe there's some of you that do, we have one, maybe one and a half. I think we, I think both our girls are pretty strong-willed. Mm. I probably shouldn't say names. Our middle is strong. It's very strong-willed. Okay, and go ahead. I was just going to say our youngest is driven. Dr- motivated. She's me. She's very opinionated. She is driven, but I, I'm, she's compliant. I'm compliant. We don't like to be in trouble. Anything but getting in trouble. Okay. So one, uh, one of my children is strong-willed. Um, there's, a, there's something that as a parent of a strong-willed child, you, you recognize that I want... I want them to participate in things that are going to add to their life and avoid things that are going to be mm-hmm. hurtful or detrimental to their life. And while I'm teaching them that because their will, them being strong-willed is a good thing, not a bad thing, what I want to make sure I don't do through discipline is break their will. Mm-hmm. I don't want to break her will. I don't want to I don't want to break her will. I want that strong willedness in her to flourish for the things that will benefit her Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of how God, how we see God and how he deals with sin in our life, this is part of it. He's not looking to break you. He's not looking to destroy you and make you a absolutely subservient robot to his perfect will. His perfect will is about relationship with his creation right that's the right. whole point strong willedness is not negative as we have proposed it is strong willedness submitted to self is strong willedness submitted to the lord is a powerful tool that the kingdom will use and and extremely effective and so we have to recognize that all of of us seeing god rightly all all of this perspective we have to be submitted to the work that he is doing in us. And we have to remove some of our context of right, wrong, our category of sin. We have to remove some of that and see God correctly for yeah. him to to complete the work that he's desiring to do in us. Now, many times our sin affects others. And there is a responsibility to ask for forgiveness, to own it. Um, all sin is a sin against God, no matter the severity. Um, and oftentimes we find that we have sinned against others, and we need to go to them and ask for forgiveness as well. We see that in the story of David, you know, in Psalm 51, David 
David says of, out of his own mouth, he says, God, only you have I sinned against. But we know in the story that he sinned against Bathsheba, or at least sinned with Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah, her husband. And then even Uriah, uh, Bathsheba's father-in-law, was in David's council and and the family members and, and, and the nation of Israel, which he pledged to lead faithfully. And so we see that this sin spreads out from there. But every sin, including that very first sin in the garden, which was a sin of disobedience, every sin essentially is a sin against God. Now, how we handle it with the Lord and how we deal with that sin, it, you know, we primarily and firstly deal with it with God. But that also means that it's going, it will extend into other relationships. It will ultimately be necessary for mm-hmm. us to repair those things as we can. We, it's not right. always, you're not always able to totally repair those things with other people because it it would require both parties desiring reconciliation and that's not always the case you know in david's in david's story here how's he going to fix this with uriah uriah's dead how's he going to fix it Mm um how's he going to fix it with the your you know the soldiers that fought with uriah or the people who knew the plan that david had he's some of those things are just beyond fixing however our heart has to has to be right before the lord and our behavior and action also has to line up with that primary uh, asking of forgiveness from God. Mm-hmm. So what else do we see, Lynn? So we- next we recognize that we need to look to Jesus and and keep our eyes fixed on him, as, as the New Testament would say and remind us over and over. And so as we are able to, to not be defensive and to recognize um, God rightly, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, this this is something that we're so very comfortable and familiar with. It's it is the it is really the making of um, the Christian faith, and and so in doing in doing Psalm fifty one, we're comparing an Old Testament Hebrew understanding of God with uh, post messianic Christian faith. Right, Jesus is the Messiah. His blood has paid for sin. And so we see clearly how that happened. David mentions in Psalm 51 just the the, the issue of the hyssop branch, clean me with hyssop. Hyssop in, in Levitical times, it was prescribed that hyssop would be the branch used to sprinkle blood on the altar. It was the tree and the branch that the priest used to 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 spread the blood of atonement as they did those kind of ceremonial, sacrificial um, atonements, right? The the shedding of the blood, the sacrificial lamb, that kind of stuff. And so David may not have fully understood the full picture, but he understood one simple thing. And that's that my sin, it, it has to be paid for with blood. And we see that Jesus says, you know, listen, hey, my blood is shed for your sin. And so that you could be in covenant with God and your sin be wiped away. And so this is always part of repentance. When we remove this key from repentance, we have an improper understanding of the cost of sin. And if we don't understand the cost of sin, then we don't avoid it. Because guess what? If it's free, it's free. Like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't cost me anything, then what's the big deal? No, there's a cost to it. And we have to deeply connect to the cost of the atonement of sin, of mm-hmm. the payment or the covering over of sin. Mm-hmm. 
we see that happen in, in David's life. We also can connect that with our own life. People who don't grieve over sin aren't going to understand repentance properly. Mm-hmm. Yes, as we recognize the the cost. I love this song that says, I'll never know how much it costs um, to see you there you know, as as Christ was hanging on the cross for our sin, we'll never truly know, I think, until we are with him in eternity to really recognize and, and fully grasp. But it is important that we know that death is what we deserved. Yeah. This, this is the next step. I mean, this is mm-hmm. really what this feeds into when we understand the cost of it. It ought to lead us to a place of anguish, mm-hmm. of breaking. Um, we that see- we aren't entitled to to the grace that we often feel we are, you know, deserve or can get a hold of, or, or have earned. yeah. And and I think this is an important step for us to to not rush past. Now, it's not intended to bring guilt, but it is intended to bring a full recognition of cost as we look to Jesus and we look at the perfect lamb, the the slaughtered lamb that paid my price, that paid your price for sin. Yeah, you know, this this picture is best, I think, best represented through the journey that Paul or Saul makes to Paul. Saul says, uh, well, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who used to be called Saul, he makes statements more than once like, of, of sinners, I was the chief, you know, and um, the, the, the things that he did in his previous life before he met Christ were so horrendous, were so hard, were so bad that, that you know, they stuck with him. This this issue of sin, he understand the co- he understood the cost of it. He understood what Jesus actually paid for. Uh, Jesus says, "The man who's forgiven much understands he 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 loves me more because mm-hmm. he was forgiven more. Mm-hmm. The man who's forgiven a little loves me a little." And so we we have to correlate a recognition of the cost of sin and the consequence of sin and the payment of sin with a direct love from God. And it reciprocates a love we have for God. In Psalm 51, verse 8, David talks about, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. I'm going to be happy as you've broke my bones. Why? Well, what Mm -hmm. happens when you break a bone? When you break a bone, I remember Bella riding her bike over Mm -hmm. at a friend's house, and she went head over the handlebars and landed on her wrist, and man, broke that wrist. And we had to take her to the doctor, and the doctor, he set that bone. Mm -hmm. And, And... when, when it was set, it healed right. We mm-hmm. talked earlier about iniquity, and mm-hmm. iniquity is a bend. It's mm-hmm. a bend in growth. And, and when we walk through this process properly, we see the bend, the Lord breaks it, and resets it straight. Right. right? There's a beautiful book that um, I, the, the author escapes me, but it's an older book. And it's called Dancing with Broken Bones. And it's about David in this season of his life. And the the recognition, because next week we're going to begin talking about the breaking that needs to happen so the healing can take place. And 
and he refers to dancing with broken bones and what it means to to be present. We so often, as Americans especially, want to escape any amount of pain. And, and when we do that, we are really rejecting the healing that comes from pain. Healing is a painful process. And we would rather just try and soothe it just to cover it up. And, and we are never truly quite healed. And I think we, we see that when James says, forgiveness of sins comes from God, but, but healing comes from confession of sin, mm-hmm. right? And so when we don't confess to one another, our sin stays hidden. So we might have a lot of forgiven people, but we have a lot of people that need healing. They're still very wounded. Yeah. Okay, so this is huge, and this is a great place to wrap this up, but when we don't recognize that God is the one that breaks the bone, who sets the bone, and who heals the bone, we adversely react to the breaking, right? I want to avoid the hurtful, harmful part of this because I don't see it as what God's doing in my life. No, listen, God loves you enough to deal with sin. He loves you enough to, to, to... to to break it and reset it so that it's proper and heals well you know if we wouldn't have let bella's bone be reset and fixed she would live a life full of a lot of pain with her hand and and really it would restrict so much in her life if she wouldn't have gone through the proper process of healing yeah she'd have been diminished Mm -hmm. and so remember when god said in in the garden Take it all the way back. Remember when God said, after Adam and Eve sinned, and he banishes them from the garden, he says, let us let us drive them out, lest they take hold of the tree of life and live mm-hmm. forever. God was not willing to allow men and women, you and me, to live this way. Because let me tell you, sin That's broke right. us. We're broke. And he's committed. And, and, and granted, you know, um, my dad broke his nose when he was younger and it healed and it healed crooked and the doctor had to re-break it. God will re-break things in your Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. just so that he can reset it. Absolutely. And, and heal it. That's great. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Send us an email at real life at visit org to give us your feedback. Real Life is a weekly podcast ministry of Life Force Square Church in Decatur, Illinois, and we hope you have a great week and look forward to continuing our conversation next time.